And then if you'll uh, keep your finger there and look in Ephesians chapter number 1, Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians chapter number 1, I want to lay a little foundation. I don't know how much uh, preaching will get done, but I know what the Lord dealt my heart about. The devil is relentless. He never rests. He's tried to keep me from preaching uh, this message. And I had a Brother Bailey call me, wanted me to preach over in Liberty or Pickens uh, this morning. And I prayed about it, and the Lord said, I gave you a message for Brother Jackson's church at the Lander. And so that's the reason I'm here. Amen. In Ephesians, uh, well, let's read Psalms 133, and then... Uh, I want to get, keep your finger there, and then we'll look at a verse or two. I'm not going to preach out of Ephesians, but i got the same thought in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So in Psalms 133, with your finger there in Ephesians 1, the Bible said in Psalms 133, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And that's got an exclamation point at the end of it. That's not a question. Behold, he said, look at it, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I heard a preacher preach here a few weeks ago, and he preached a whole message on the question, and it wasn't a question. It was a statement God gave. So your, your King James Bible is correct in the punctuation, as well as ever. It's perfect, amen. Perfect English, perfect uh, punctuation. And so he's uh, making a statement, and he puts an exclamation point at the end of it. And you look at it that way, it makes a difference in this text. Verse 1, behold, how good, he said, behold it, look at it, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It wouldn't hurt the sisters either, amen. It is like, here's the object, it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon, that's Mount Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. I'm going to come back there. If you'll keep your finger there or tie an envelope, we'll be back there in just a minute, and I'm going to preach that psalm. But in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 10, for the sake of time, 110, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, He, God, might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. I don't have time to preach that, but what he's saying in Ephesians 1 and verse number 10 when all the dispensations of time have ended, I think there's seven. They taught the preacher boys in some of the Bible school there's eight, but I think there's seven, so they're probably right and I'm probably wrong, but I think there's seven dispensations, and then we'll get into eternity. And y'all have a school, and I don't know what y'all teach, but that's all right. It's good to do seven. Well, good, I'm glad we've been reading the same book. In the dispensation, that's a period of time, the fullness of times, he might gather together, notice, in one, all things in Christ, both in heaven and in earth. Now listen, here's what that verse is saying. When this whole thing is wrapped up, 
and it's all time is be no more, and we enter into eternity out yonder beyond the kingdom age, everything is going to be gathered together in Jesus. Everything outside of Jesus is going to be in the lake of fire, going for, gone forever and forever. When the rapture occurs, it may be today, it may be tomorrow, that only those in Christ are going to go. The dead in Christ arise first, and we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Everything outside of Jesus is not gone in the rapture. Everything outside of Jesus at the end of time, out yonder, it's got to be over a thousand years because there's going to be a thousand year millennial reign. But at the end of that, everything that's not in Jesus is going to be uh, done away with and lost forever. So that's what he's saying in Ephesians chapter number 1 and verse number 10. In Ephesians chapter number 4, we'll read one more verse and then go back and bring the message God dealt with my heart about. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Notice that endeavoring, that's trying, that's attempting, that's doing the best you can to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And Mark's Spirit there, that's a Holy Ghost, that's uppercase, a large S. Uh, the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Going back to Psalms 133, I will read, I'll pray, and we'll be seated and bring you the burden of my heart. In verse number uh, Psalms 133, look at it again quickly. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. We saw unity in uh, chapter 1 of Ephesians. We saw unity in chapter 4 of Ephesians. And we got unity in Psalms 133 verse 1. And here he says it's like, he, he said look at it, here's what it's like. It's like the precious ointment. That's on top of the Holy Ghost, that the spirit of unity we read about in 4.3. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life, forevermore. Would you pray for me, please? Father, I love you. I would do want to thank you for that night when you opened up my blinded eyes. I had never beheld you. I had never looked upon you, but I'm glad you revealed yourself to me that December night. Save me by the grace of God, and Lord, you've been good to me, and I don't deserve it, but I love you, and I praise you for it. Thank you for bringing me down through this journey all of these years and the opportunity to be here in the house of God today. I ask you to empty me of myself. Everything that I may intend to do, I pray it be laid aside and the Holy Ghost would preach through me what you would have for this congregation today. Save some lost soul. Lord, there's people here uh, listening this morning that are outside of Jesus. They've never gotten into the body of Christ. And we know the rapture is going to occur and we're leaving. And Lord, we don't want them to be left behind, young or old. I pray today would be the day they give their life to Jesus. We're going to thank you and love you for it now. We ask it in his name. 
Amen. Thank you. You may be seated, reverencing and honoring the Word of God. I love it. Amen. Men make fun of it. Men mock us for believing it. I believe every jot and every tittle. Amen. And in Psalms 133, keep your Bible open. I'm going to try to do a little bit of expositional preaching going down through these uh, uh, three or four verses, the Lord being my helper. He said in verse number one, Behold, look at it, pay attention, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I got the message I want to bring if I can get through my introduction. Amen. If I can get me a foundation laid, I got a message that I want to bring you. The object of this psalm and the subject of this psalm is unity. In verse number 1, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That is the subject of the Psalms 133. It's unity. And we need that. Don't you think we need it? I think Baptists need it and I need it and I've got several things to say about that. But that's the subject in verse number 1 and go through these three verses. But the object of the text is this, how to keep that unity. My wife and I were united in marriage 61 years ago. For you newlyweds, that's a long time, seems like it's forever, but it'll be as a shadow when it's gone. Amen. I hate to uh, uh, think it's going to end one of these days, and I ain't ready for it to end. We've just begun to fight. Amen. But are you listening to me? The subject of the psalm is unity, and the object is how to keep it. We have been married 61 years, and that's a, a picture, I think, of Jesus and the church. He said it was in Ephesians 5, but nevertheless, there's been some bumps in the road, and there's been some hard places, and there's been trouble and things, and things occurred, try to break up the unity. But if you'll uh, look up the word unity, here's what I looked it up. Had two or three good meanings, and one of them I'm interested in. He said, unity is the state of being one. God said when a man and a woman fall in love and they're united in Mary, these two will become one. Else, Paul said in the New Testament, else were their children unclean. I don't have time to deal with that, amen. But children ought to be, high, be born behind the wedlock, amen. Somebody help me. But the state of being one, she and I are one this morning in the eyes of God. Here was the second definition of that unity. It's a thing undivided itself, but separate from every other thing. No, I had to wallow that around just a little bit. Unity, a thing undivided itself, but separate from every other thing. When they said I do, when you said I do, when we said I do, we became one. We are unified by the grace of God in holy matrimony. And since we have become one, uh, she's separated from all the other men in the world. I'm separated from all the other females in the world. That's what the word unity, according to the definition, let's do it again, and I'm going to preach my message. A thing undivided itself, we two are one, but separate from every other thing. 
She is separated from every other thing. She's mine and I'm hurt and we're separated. Here's the picture of the church. Jesus said and Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and I'll receive you. I'll be a father unto you and you'll be my sons and you'll be my daughters. When God birthed the church into this world, that church is one body. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews, Gentile, bond, or free. Listen, we have all been made to drink into one Spirit. Now I know some denominations, they take 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and they say that's the baptismal water. But that's not the baptismal water in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. For by one spirit uppercase, for by the Holy Ghost we are baptized into one body. And if that's baptismal water, he went on to clear that up. He said we have been all made to drink. Now I don't know how much water, if that's a baptistry back there, it's liable to hold 300 gallons of water, amen. And I don't think there's a baptist big enough to get, uh, uh, ingest all that water. They would probably explode. He's talking about a spiritual baptism. He's talking about a spiritual birth that put us in the body of Christ. And Paul was trying to explain to the carnal Corinthian, I don't know what time it started and really don't care what time I'm going to quit. I'm not going to keep you all day. But listen to me. For by one spirit are we all baptized in the one body. God's got one church on the face of this earth and you enter that church by the new birth and the baptism of the Holy Ghost and He puts you in the body of Christ. Some of us may be in the knees and maybe you're a prayer warrior. Some of us may be in the hand and we're reaching out there to give a hand to a lost and a dying world. I don't know where he put you in the body, but he unified that body and we are one. Paul couldn't get the church at Corinth to get a hold of that. If all of you were hearing, where would be the seeing? If all of you were eyes, where would be the hearing? The problem they had at Corinth was all of them wanted to be the tongue. And their tongue was so long they could sit in the parlor and lick the frying pan in the kitchen, amen. And their tongue was as long as a clothesline pole. And I think that's an epidemic that's broke out in a lot of Baptist churches. And that tongue causes division. Are you listening to the preacher? I'm trying to do what God told me to do. Unified into one body that we might do the thing God wants us to do and that's to herald the gospel around the world and rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Are you listening to the preacher? Well, I think unity is what we need in our Baptist churches. It's what we need in our home. If your home is not in unity and things are causing problems in your home, for God's sake, get it settled this morning so you can do something for Jesus. If the church is not in unity, for God's sake, get it settled this morning. I'm going to tell you how in just a moment. Get it settled this morning where the church can get the job done for the Lord. The picture of unity, the beauty of unity, it's a beautiful thing, a pleasant thing that he said here. The beauty of unity, it's like four-part harmony. 
I just about, you got me excited, y'all picking and singing and playing up there. I just about got up there with you and started to sing a little hillbilly tenor. Four part harmony. God made music. Are you listening to me? God made music and thank God for music. But four part harmony is beautiful. Also, that's unity. When you get all four of those parts going together, it's beautiful, isn't it? I mean, it just blesses your heart and blesses God when we sing that way. Also, uh, another picture of unity would be a marching band. Do you like to watch a marching band with their tutors and their trumpets and the trombones and all of them a marching and turning and moving and marching and don't, don't fall over each other? That's a beautiful thing. Preacher said a while, a couple of months ago, whenever I was here, he said some of you men are Marines, had been in the service. You're, I guess they say you're all my ways of Marine, if you ever was one. So if you are a Marine, a marching platoon of soldier, uh, don't be like Gomer. Oh boy, in West Virginia, they put him in the back of the uh, platoon marching, and he's so long-legged, he kept bumping into the feller in front of him. So they took him and put him in the front to lead the marching. And he walked off and just left everybody. Them big old long mountain legs. He, he never could get his feet together. And he might be like Gomer. Not very pretty. And that drill instructor run up in his face and bite him on the ear and say, your mama should have killed you when you was born. You worm, you maggot. Well, yeah. I would tell you about my brother, what he did to his drill sergeant, but people from West Virginia are funny, amen. He knocked some of his teeth out when he ran up in his face. Ended up in the brig. Beauty of a marching band. Beauty of a platoon of Marines marching. Beauty in the harmony of a choir. Beauty of a church getting the job done for God. Are you listening to me? I was in church the other night and somebody said there's 22 Baptist churches in the Landham area. I don't know where they're all at, and I don't know all of them, but if that's so, help us to get it in unity. Amen. I'm looking in Psalms 133 in the King James Bible. That's the subject of the psalm, but the object is how to attain it, how to reach that place, and also how to retain it once you do reach it. Don't let the devil wrestle it away from you. We have been married, and I said, told you, I said, be 61 years the first week of October, and we've had problems, we've had difficulty, but we got up this morning, got dressed, getting ready to come to the house of God, and I looked at her and I said, you sure look pretty this morning. She said, thank you, sir. I said, praise God, we're going to the house of God. Amen. This old blue serge suit may not look like much, but I feel like a millionaire when I get in the house of God and got my wife hanging on my arm. I'm glad we're still on the honeymoon. It's been 61 years. I believe it's just getting sweeter and sweeter, and there's still honey in the moon. Are you listening to me? 
Get it together. Get that unity back in your home. Get it back in the house of God. Some of you young people quit causing trouble at the house and line up the mom and dad and children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Submit yourself to the authority God's got over you and never you'll have unity back at the house. Don't be an Absalom. Don't be a heartbreaker and cause wreck and ruin in your home and in your family. And I gotta hurry. Amen. I guess I do. Let's look, go through this psalm. We're preaching on unity. Look at verse number one. Behold how good and pleasant. I underline pleasant in red. Unity is a pleasant thing. Unity is a pleasant thing. It's pleasant to hear. It's pleasant to see. It's pleasant to experience. Unity. Some people hadn't heard it. They hadn't seen it. And apparently they're not going to experience it till they do something about it. It looks like they've been baptized in vinegar, vaccinated with dill pickle juice, and had a bowl of crab apple cereal before they came to church. I like it around here. Somebody told me this week, said that Shane Jackson, he's about half crazy. I said, well, praise God. That sounds pretty good to me. Amen. Enjoy. Enjoy the house of God. Enjoy being married. Enjoy your family. Enjoying what you do. I'm getting to be an old man. I hope I live to be a hundred if I can still preach. But listen to me. You will be successful at what you enjoy doing. You will be successful in what you enjoy doing. I enjoy being married. I enjoy preaching. I enjoy going to church. I enjoy serving Jesus. Are you listening to me? Some of you looking for joy and how to find something pleasant like verse number one said. Why don't you give Jesus a chance in your life and never get unified with Him? He is coming one of these days and you don't want to be caught left outside. Matthew 25, I don't, I'm going to take it out of its context, but you don't want to be outside the boat when the door closes. On the, that's the kingdom gospel. But they beat on the door and said, Open to us in Matthew 25. And he said, Depart from me, I know you not. They got left outside at Noah's Ark, beating on the door, no doubt wanting in. But they did not get in when the door was open and the opportunity presented themselves for them to get saved by the grace of God. I got a little... Uh, great-granddaughter, and her birthday, uh, Brighton, when's her birthday, Mr. Raines? Is it October? I think her birthday's October. We was out on the back porch. I drink my coffee early in the morning, and she came over across the pasture preacher, and she's sitting down and talking to me. She said, Papa, you going to heaven? I said, yeah, I sure am. She'll be five in October. I said, I sure am. She said, where am I going? I said, well, if Jesus is in your heart, you're going to heaven. If Jesus is not on your heart and you know he should be, I said, you'll have to go to hell. And she 
that satisfied her for a little bit, and we didn't. I didn't push her, and I don't push kids, and I don't try to wring a profession out of But here's what her daddy told me last night. I preached for my son Wednesday night up at Hendersonville or Fletcher, and uh, her daddy told me yesterday, he said, the bride can ask me about heaven and hell and about Jesus being in your heart and being saved by the grace of God. And I said, sir, he asked me, she asked me the same thing. God is dealing with her tender little heart and going to save her by the grace of God. I'm telling you, if the Richter scale runs up and you hear something uh, climatic happen here in the desert, <laughs> it'll be because my great, great grandbaby got saved by the grace of God. I believe we ought to let the whole world know. Are you listening to me? I want my whole family in heaven together will the family circle be unbroken not if they'll get unified and Jesus be saved by the grace of God mom and dad and the children and grandchildren great grandchildren we can all be together forever and forever and forever and live happily ever after are you listening to the preacher well how do we do that I'm in Psalms 133 very quickly stay with me I've got a lot of references I'll quote some of them and misquote some of them uh, we'll not turn to all of them in verse number one how pleasant is unity it's a pleasant thing there's nothing like a young couple falling in love and being united in holy matrimony it is still holy and wedlock still has a good key it locks it and locks it amen and I'm not here to open up any wounds I'm here to help you alright I made a bunch of stupid mistakes before I met Jesus, but I'm glad He forgave me and cleansed me, and I don't want to make the same ones again. Amen. That's what I tell my church when I was pattern. But nevertheless, uh, the harmony in the home and the harmony in the church, it's a beautiful thing. The Bible said it's pleasant. Verse number 2 in your King James, he said this, It is like the precious ointment, this is going to be the meat of the message. It's not only a pleasant thing in verse 1, but it's a precious thing in verse 2. Precious, rare. That doesn't mean what a lot of people might hang on to it, but preciousness in the, in the text and in the Bible, it's a rare thing to find unity. If this church is in unity... Now, I may be preaching preventive maintenance, or I may be preaching to help you get unified today, but I'm telling you this, it's not only a pleasant thing, but it's a precious thing. It's rare to find it. Are you happily married? Are you happily a member of the Landham Independent Baptist Church? Is it a precious thing to you? How precious is your home. How precious is the house of God. I'm as faithful to church as I am to my wife. Are you listening to me? I love him and I love her and I want to be faithful to both of them. I don't want to lose any crowns or rewards that I may obtain. But look at verse 2. It is like precious ointment. I don't have time to go to Exodus 30, but preacher, y'all, see, y'all study it when you get time. There was a holy anointing oil in Exodus 30 
it had cassia and had olive oil and had those different cinnamon and different spices that they concocted together and God gave Moses the recipe and told him how to make that holy anointing oil. That was to be anointed upon the high priest. It would anoint him where he could enter into that holiest of all in the very presence of God. And God said in Exodus chapter number 30, don't you try to make anything else like it. Don't you put it upon any stranger. It's just for that high priest and we are kings and priests of God. But that on and all was a precious thing. And neighbor, that's what the unity of a church is going to have to have. The anointing of the holy oil of the Holy Ghost back upon the church again. Singers ought to be anointed with the Holy Ghost when they sing. Preachers ought to be anointed with the Holy Ghost when they preach. If God takes His hands off of me, I'll get me a job, go to work somewhere, or stay home and let the Democrats pay me for not working. But I'm telling you, we need the Holy Ghost on us and on the church and on the family again where we can carry out what God wants us to do. Are you listening? Verse number 2, he said this, It is like, here's what it's like, unity. It's pleasant, but it's also like precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard. I'll come back and preach two and I'll be through. But look at verse number 3. As a Jew of Hermon, and Jews a type of the Holy Spirit, you've learned that. Do the Jew of Hermon, the Jew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for therefore the Lord commanded the blessing, look at the blessing, even life forevermore. I think that is the purpose of it. It's to give somebody life forevermore. It's to help somebody get saved by the grace of God. It's for God his people and bless his church and then save poor sinners get them saved by the grace of God that's what the purpose and the object of unity is all about it's doing the will of God in our life now fasten your seat belt and stay with me in verse number 2 here's the precious ointment look it's up on the head ointment upon the head that has to do with your mentality. We need to grow up. We've got preachers, we've got folks in churches, we've got evangelists, we've got church members, and their thinking's not right. Proverbs said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You start thinking wrong, you end up wrong. The mentality part of it. Here's what the Bible said in Romans 8, I think it's verse number 6. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. You listen to, I'm sick of these commercials and sick of everything this world is pumping down the heart and throat and minds of our young people 
They're out to corrupt their mind. The devil's after the minds of this generation and past generation as well and future coming generation. He's out to fog up your mind and mess up your thinking to where you can't think right, don't know right from wrong, don't know up from down, don't know the left from the right, don't know white from black, don't know how saved from being lost. They got them all confused. They don't know what they're thinking about. But you can get it settled in your heart and you don't have to let the devil play with your mind. Romans 12, a familiar scripture. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to the world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. You have to get in that book. You have to listen to preaching. You have to get somebody to teach you the Word of God. And I think there's a big difference between preaching and teaching. I don't have time to deal with that. But the church has got a teaching ministry and the church has got a preaching ministry and it renews our heart by the, for the Word of God by renewing our minds. I had my Bible reading this morning and I've been reading it for 56 years. And I'll have it again tonight and have it again tomorrow and the rest every day. Amen. The Lord willing. There have been two or three days I've been unconscious in the last 56 years. But I, when I'm awake, I read that Word of God. I'm telling you, it'll, it'll settle your mind. People's minds are so confused and I don't have time to stay there. But they anointed the head. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. There's men would give a million dollars to have what I got in my head. Not that I'm smart, but I got peace. Peace in my mind and peace in the heart. If the earth cracks open today and I fall in the crack, I'm still got peace in my heart and peace in my mind. Get your mind fixed and get it settled. The only way to do that is to be spiritually minded. That is hard to do. Now listen to me. With all this filth and garbage, you can't see anything, you can't read a billboard, you can't listen to a lot of music because they're messing with your mind. God said the unity here and the anointing oil would be upon the head. I call that the mental part of it. Then it said it ran down upon his beard. I think that shows maturity. Most boys don't have a beard. A lot of us men can't grow a beard. Listen to me. The oil ran down off his head, his mental part, capacity, and then it got down on his beard. That shows his maturity. You had to be 30 years old to get in the, in the ministry. That's why Jesus waited until he was 30 years old, ministered 33 little over years, and got crucified and went back to glory. But nevertheless, it shows the maturity. You know we need some mature people in our churches. Somebody's rooted and grounded, not tossed about. I preached out of James chapter 1 Wednesday night. James said that uh, an unstable man, he's like a wave upon the sea, tossed with the waves, and he gets unstable and unsteady. 
We need some anchors in our churches today where this younger generation can see a family, can see a pastor, can see an individual, can see a good deacon, can see a good Sunday school teacher, and they're just rooted and grounded in the Word of God, and the storms of this life just seem to roll off their back like water off a dust bag. Maturity. Be not as children tossed to and fro. Don't be childish. We got to me. I've pastored people. I have pastored people weighed 250 and 275 pounds that should have been in the nursery with somebody burping them. Ever, ever pastor don't do this. I'm glad they don't pastor like me. But I had a, I had one of them calf nursing bottles about that big, nipple about that big around, about that long. The bottle, I kept it under the pulpit. That's the reason I'm in evangelism and not pastor. But I stayed there 36 years. I'd get that old bottle out. I, ra- I used to raise cows. I got so busy I couldn't take care of them, so I sold them. But I'd bring that old big old nursing bottle, and I'd just walk around and see who needed a good shot of good milk. Some enjoyed it and smiled, and some got mad as a devil. Just take your pick, whichever one you want to do. If you want to be miserable, get miserable. If you want to enjoy some good preaching, enjoy it. Amen, preacher. Amen. I think that somebody said a picture is worth a thousand words. And I may to preach a thousand words about being a baby and weighing 300 pounds. But when you see the pastor come with that big old nursing bottle and he's bringing it to the view, you, bet you get the message, don't you? Amen. Hey. Are you listening to me? Ran down for Aaron's beard. That shows his maturity. He was a man. I never had a woman in the church that had a beard. Probably got some today somewhere. We're living in perilous times. Men men supposedly having babies. I hope you know who to vote for in the next election. Amen. But it ran down off his head, his mental part. Down off his beard, that's his maturity. And listen, I'm through. Down off the skirts of his garment. The priest wore a garment that came from his ephod and all the paraphernalia that he had to wear, put on. Every bit of it had a part, every bit of it had a reason. But it went down, the oil went from his head clear down to his feet to the skirts of his garment. This was the mental part. This was the mature part. He had to be over 30 years old. And this was the ministering part. He had to have a priest's garment on. We that are saved, I'll tell you what we better do. We better get clothed and enjoy the Lord and let somebody know it's a joy to be a Christian. To have a Christian home, to have a Christian family. Praise God, my family can gather together. Most of us do on Sunday. We've got scattered so much anymore. I dug out preaching and my family scattered around. It's not as good as it used to be as far as unity, uh, being all together in one. But I'm telling you, we have enjoyed raising a family for God. We've enjoyed the house of God. We have enjoyed serving Jesus. 
That priest's garment had bells on the hem of it. And when he walked or sashayed around that temple, behind the veil, this side the veil, that side the veil, they could hear those bells ringing. I hope you're picking up what I'm trying to say this morning. I enjoy preaching. I enjoy serving God. I enjoy hearing good singing. I enjoy fellowship. I enjoy the saints of God. I enjoy the presence of the Lord. Are you listening to me? That holy anointing oil ought to be all over us and all over the church. You may not be a preacher. You may not be a singer. But you're a part of a body and it's just important. Those members that we don't esteem are very much important. They are very important. When I was pastoring a man got his big toe cut off in the... on a lawnmower, turned it over on him and stuck his foot to kick it off of him and it cut off his toe, big toe, over here on Lyman Lake and he said, oh, that ain't too bad. Just preacher, just uh, cut off that one big toe. I said, son, when you get out of the hospital and hit the floor, you'll find out that big toe's pretty important. He got out of the hospital and he couldn't walk straight. His balance was off. So every member is important. If you're a member of this church, you're an important member. You not be able, might be able to tickle those ivories the way our sister did. You might be able to toot the horn the way our brother did. You may not be able to sing the way the, a young man did a while ago. You may not be a preacher. But every member of my body is important. God put it together. And God knew what He was doing when He made us out of the dust of the earth. Here's what I told my wife and told my sister. I want to leave this world with what God equipped me when I came into the world. So I've still got my tonsils. I've still got my gallbladder. I wish you'd have given me three set of teeth. I'm about four short on those. But I'm telling you this. I want to leave this world to how God equipped me when I came here. Anything we do, preacher, in the house of God and living for Jesus 24 hours a day, it ought to be done in the power and the unction of the Holy Ghost. Now listen very closely, and if you get mad at me, I'm going to pray for you. God never told us to be uniform. He said to be unified. Now listen to him, that's what the 133rd Psalm is all about. It don't have a thing to do with being uniform. Ladies... Every lady that comes in here don't have to dress like you. Every preacher that preaches don't have to preach like I do or preacher like you do or like Brother Jackson did. God, I'm geared, I'm preaching the way God geared me. God saved me, I was bashful. I couldn't stand before people. I took a speech class in high school. It was a school up on the hill, a little higher than the other one. But I took a speech class, had to give a three-minute speech. And I was so scared I had everything from dander to fallen arches. Scared me to death. Now I'll guarantee you I can preach to 2 o'clock. I'm not going to. I'm winding down. But I'm telling you, everybody, it's not that we're not uniform. Right, right. We don't have to be uniform. 
If we were uniform and all like the same thing, I'd have to stand over here and whip about a half a dozen of you men trying to get fresh with my wife. And I'm 81, but I still I believe there's one more thrust still in there. I do exercise a little bit and try to keep healthy and preach till I'm 100 years old. But we're different. You understand? We're different. You get in this little independent Baptist clique that's running around, everybody's got to be like me. This ain't a little house on the prairie. I believe in modesty, and you believe in modesty. I, I wouldn't lower my standards for my sainted mother. And I wouldn't lower it for my family. Just ask them. One of my ladies in our family, she came out and she said, How do I look? I said, Well, it's long enough, it's high enough. I said, But I can see your underclothes. Van back in, put her on some another slip or something where you couldn't see her underclothes. Amen, you can have it high and low and so tight. I mean, it's so thin you can see through it. So I'm not compromising. I'm just saying my wife don't have to act like your wife. Your wife doesn't have to act like my wife. We don't have to act like each other. Just be what you are. Amen. Are you listening to the preacher? You say, I wish you'd study and pray and find something. God told me what to preach to you this morning. He knew who would be here before he ever hung the stars. Some of us have got so narrow-minded between our eyes. If you rolled a BB down our burnt nose, it would knock both of our eyes out at the same time. Unity, a thing undivided in itself separated from every other thing. That's a picture of the church. I fit in this world like a square peg in a round hole. I just don't fit. And I don't fit in most churches, amen? Amen. But that's all right. My Heavenly Father takes care of me. Billy Kelly said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you and wouldn't let the devil know. I'd swallow a box of soda, drink about a gallon of water, and swell up and bust and told the devil I found her myself to death. I, I don't need a thing. I don't. God's good to me. I'm as satisfied as a heifer in clover up to her belly button. That's pretty good now. Heifer stand a hog, right? I've been bush hogging all week. So that's, I know what belly button to a heifer is. All right, are you listening to me? The beauty of unity. Here's what I'd do this morning. If I was you and you and mom's got a problem, I'd just get her by the hand, get in the altar and say, let's get this thing straightened out and serve Jesus. If I some of you young people, I'd go to mom and dad and I'd say, I'm sorry, I have, I've been stubborn and hard-headed and rebellious and I want our home to be what the preacher preached about this morning. If I was a member of this church and I just couldn't get in step like that platoon of Marines 
I believe I'd get it settled this morning and get talked to the preacher and ask God to help me get together where we can get something done for the Lord. These are perilous days we're living in. Here's what Revelation said, and I'm through. The wedding of the Lamb has come. The bride, his wife, has made herself ready. Let's get ready for the coming of the Lord. Let's get it together. Preacher, I don't have to agree with you on everything. We don't have to see eye to eye on everything. Now, I'm not talking about cardinal doctrines of the Bible. Can I use this illustration without you thinking I'm thinking I'm somebody? You have never seen me preach in anything but a white shirt. That's what I do. I'm glad you got on a white shirt this morning. I don't preach in colored shirts. There ain't nothing wrong with it. But that's my preference. Now I'll be preaching in a white shirt if Jesus comes next week or next year. I intend to be doing what I'm doing. But ain't nobody less spiritual than I am because they wear a colored shirt, even if it is pink. We're splitting hairs and breaking up the unity. And we're weak. There's a verse in Genesis. You can read it when you get time. 11.6, and I'm through. 11.6, I think, in Genesis. It's the Tower of Babel. When God scattered the nation, scattered the children and gave them different languages, I think there's a whole lot in that chapter. But nevertheless, here's what the Lord said in Genesis 11, 6. He said, these people are one. Now nothing be withheld from them that they imagine to do. I'm going down and it said, let us go down. So that's the Trinity. Let us go down. And they, God came down and the people were one. They were going to build a tower up to the Milky Way, to the constellation, going to build a tower into heaven. And they say that's an observatory where they see the 12 signs of the zodiac. I don't, I'm not getting out on that limb. But he said the people are one and nothing will be withheld from them that they can imagine to do. You get this church in harmony and one mind and one accord, we can turn hell and the world upside down. You let me and her stay in unity and my family in unity. And I don't know whether you know in my entire family serving God. And I'm glad they are. And the devil hates us and hates them. And he hates you and hates your family and your church. But listen to me. You get in unity and get your mind made up. We can get something done for the Lord. Here's what he said in Ephesians. Was it the fourth chapter? Verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity. Let me ask you. What endeavors will you do to keep the unity? In your family, maybe say, I'm sorry. I've crawled across the living room floor on my knee at our family altar. If you don't have one, start you one. I've crawled across the living room floor on my knees and crawled up to my wife and said, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I've gone to my son. He's my pastor. And I've said, son, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. And I've gone to my daughter and said, dad, sorry. I should have done this or should have done the other. Endeavoring to keep the unity. What's he want you to do? What should you do today? Pastor, you come.